Hey, it's uh, Big Daddy, and we're here with another uh, Big Daddy and Friends. And I have to say, uh, this next guest, obviously, it's well documented that uh, we go back all the way to college. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I have to say that I owe a lot of gratitude to this fine gentleman because he's not only my uh, former college teammate, He's also like a brother to me. So uh, with all that being said, let's welcome Neil O'Donnell, the big daddy of friends. What's happening, Neil? Hey, daddy, I'm doing great. Now you're, you're like a brother to me. You know that. You did a lot for – it was a two-way street. You know that. It, uh, you did a lot for my family when uh, times were needed, and uh, you did a lot for me to make me laugh after tough games. You know, when we would lose, you always got to crack a smile, make a joke about something. But uh, it's great seeing you, brother. You know, I miss you. I haven't seen you in a long time. Yeah, I know. It's been too long. And We uh, see each other at funerals, it seems. That's that's bad. Yeah, you that's know, the only... We get together and see each other when for good times. Yeah, that's unfortunately, that's the only bad thing. But, uh, you know, it, listen, we talk and uh, we communicate. And, and, you know, right now that's the way the world – that's the way the world is working. But, yep. uh you know, there doesn't, you know, there isn't a day that I don't think about you and, uh, and, and, you know, your jersey's behind me and, you know, I always see it. And, uh, and I tell people all the time, look, you know, there's so many, there's so many pieces in life. And, you know, what happens if I don't go to Pittsburgh, you know, and end up there and, you know, you allow me to stay there for years. And, and a lot of people don't know that I built, my network really because of you. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I started two way street. It was yeah, a two way you know street. It's, yep. you know, I told a story about how, when I got to Pittsburgh and, you know, here you are, you're the starting quarterback, but you said to me, Hey, I need a favor. So this is a story. A lot of people don't know. I, you, you're like, Hey, I need a favor. And I was like, okay, what's, what's the favor? You got to get Mario Lemieux to sign something for me. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, and I was kind of scratching my head going, yeah. oh, Neil, you're the starting quarterback of the Steelers, man. Like, you can do that. And I would imagine you'd be able to do that. And, you know, we went down to the locker room. We met him that time and, uh, you know, been friends with him since. And, uh, you know, legendary, uh, I mean, how many guys have their mural on a building and they're still playing? You know, that was kind of one of the things that I was used to be like, I used to be like, wow, you know. And that year was crazy. That's when Yama Yager was a rookie too. Yep. They came and back came and, they, and they won, you know, they went back to back. Yep. You know, um, Stanley Cups. But uh, getting back to you. So uh, – one of the things that is so commendable and it's impressive at the same time is, you know, tell uh, you, you played 14 seasons in the NFL, which is not an easy thing to do. And, you know, we always joke around NFL stands for not for long, but yeah. you, you, you went and outdid all that, but let's take it back. Uh, I know the history, but let's share the history with our viewers and our listeners. You know, you grew up in Madison, New Jersey. You uh, played at Madison High School, and you played for one of the legends in the state of New Jersey, and you know, Coach Monica. Yeah. Which uh, I, I, you know, I know all the history because I heard all the stories, and 
and you know I followed between all your brothers and everything going on. So tell us about growing up in Madison. Well, I was I'm from a small town in Madison, New Jersey, northern New Jersey. A lot of people know it. It's close to Marstown. I was the youngest of nine kids. Had all my brothers play Division One football, except my brother Jack and Matthew. But it was a very competitive family. And uh, with Ted Monica there, he just recently passed away at age ninety. And uh, he had he had such a wonderful career at Madison High School. All my brothers never lost a high school football game. So they all came out of high school, all three of my brothers. One went to Penn State, one went to Duke, and the other one, Stephen, transferred out of Michigan, and Peter went to New Hampshire. But literally, they came out 44-0 out of high school. So there were big shoes and, 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 and big standards that were set there at that high school football program. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't undefeated. We, we were good, but we weren't as good as the other teams were that came out of Madison. But working with Coach Monica, he was probably one of the most intense, hardest coaches I ever worked for. I mean, when I went to Maryland, Bobby Ross and, and Joe Krivak were more or less a lay, layback people, not a big screamer when Ted Monica was a big screamer. So I tip my hat to Ted Monica because, you know, you can't coach the way he coaches now. The world won't let you do that with the screaming and the yelling. But uh, I never understood why he was so tough on me, but he saw talent in me that he knew if I didn't take advantage of would just go to waste. And uh, he's a big part of my success in the NFL and going to University of Maryland. Because, uh, you know, with my dad, my dad was working around the clock. He was raising nine kids. So he used to drop me off at football camps. I'd get dropped off at Penn State football camp. He would never stay there, turn around and leave. And I'd wait in line by my, myself. And I learned how to compete. And people always say, how do you learn how to compete? You, you learn how to compete and get in front of the line. So if you want to get in front of the line, you got to be one of the best throwers out there. And that's what I learned to do. I went to Boston College football camp, went to Penn State, went to Rutgers, jumped all around, and uh, just learned to compete at a young age and wanted to be the best I possibly could. Uh, I'm not a big guy, Daddy, as you're well aware of, of uh, saying no one works harder than me or no, you know, I work 110%. <laughs> I believe in 100%. I believe how would I know how, who else works harder? I mean, because, uh, you know, you know, because you and I trained for many years at Maryland together, but I was a big film watcher. I was a big studier of the game. I kind of, uh, I kind of enjoyed watching tape. And uh, that's the one thing I do miss to this day is uh, the, the film watching, because I really enjoyed attacking third down defenses and looking at the big picture on how to attack a defense. That really, really got me excited to do week in, week out. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Like, I had Brian Baldinger on uh, the show. And, you know, he has that segment he does. It's called Baldy's Breakdowns. I've seen and, it, yeah. And, and that is so – if you're a young coach, that's the stuff that you want to see because, you know, he brings in a pro bowler. I mean, all these guys that are big-name guys, and they sit there and they break down, you know, tell us what you're doing here. Watch what you're doing here. What are you doing wrong? What are you doing? And, I mean, it is uh, – he's really, between him and Ron Jaworski, uh, with that, uh, they've done an outstanding job of educating, you know, the younger generation on where the game is going, how it's played, and, you know, from everything from zone blocking to, you know, tackling and, and playing defenses. I mean, how to attack a defense, it's incredible. 
Well, I would love to be a third down specialist. I don't even care in college or in pros. That would like I would like that to be my title. Uh, I brought the five wides into the NFL in 1992 with Cordell Stewart. Yeah. And I learned at a young age as a quarterback, as a young rookie quarterback, I, to my second year there, you better get rid of the ball because these people are so fast up front. They know how to bring pressure. So Ron Earhart, our offensive coordinator at the time with the Steelers, told me, I'm not protecting you. You have to learn how to get rid of the ball. And that helped me throughout my career not to get sacks and to get rid of the football. And you know what? I was blessed and had the great fortune of being there, you know, in the beginning when you started and – I mean, look, the first year of starting, you were 3-0 and out of the gate. You yeah. know, and it was like, wow, man, he's like getting it done. And, uh, you know, and listen, you came close one time to getting to the Super Bowl, and, and then you took the Steelers to the Super Bowl. You came yeah. up short. But a lot of guys don't even get a chance to even play in the Super Bowl. So and that's, you know, it, that's that right there is coming. I know. And that game could have went either way. I understand that. I took a lot of heat of that loss, but you know what? That's part of playing the game of quarterback. But I look at, like you said, you know how many great quarterbacks never even get a chance of getting near a Super Bowl. And I was blessed enough to play in two of them. I played with one here with the Tennessee Titans. I didn't win it either there. But just the experience and and getting to be have that opportunity to play in front of the whole world was something you'll never forget, especially with the teammates and the coaches and the hard work that goes into it. People don't realize, Daddy, I know you do, but a lot of the fans don't realize the ball bounces one way or the other. Sometimes the best team doesn't always win. And and that's just the game of football. It's a love of football. It's uh, it's You just have to keep reminding yourself it's a game that we play. But you know what? I know guys that would give probably their left arm to have been in the position that you've been in. And, you know, it, like you say, there's great guys that don't even get to the – some guys don't even get past the first round of the playoffs, let alone get to the playoffs. Yep, and that's why I feel bad for a lot of the guys who are great, especially great quarterbacks like the Matthew Staffords, who've been in Detroit their whole career, and he's a great quarterback, but he never got a chance to even look at a – a Super Bowl or a long time, uh, even even a long run at the playoffs. And yeah. I've been to enough franchises where I played in four AFC championship games, been to Pro Bowls, been to two Super Bowls. So I just uh, I'm blessed to say I, I I've done it all except one. I haven't won the big one and never will, but that's okay. And I have to say I've been at both of your Super Bowls, so I could say uh, that was. You know, a fun time and uh, nerve wracking at the same time because, you know, you're cheering for you. I'm cheering for you. And, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, man, you're like going through the stress, even though I'm not the one getting dressed to go out there. But I'm like, I remember sitting in Arizona, you know, that game. And, man, I couldn't even like sit in my seat. Oh, I know. Because, yep. you know. That was such a game where it went this way, and then all of a sudden, bam, you guys came right back and, and yep. whatnot. But the whole time you sit there, and I was with uh, our boy Mickey C. Sitting, yep. We're both like, oh, come on, Neil. You know, come on, Neil. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, that was, that was probably the greatest time uh, for me at that point in life because – you know, I got to see you go from here to here to here, you know, yep. and, and to watch that grow and watch it like the plan formulate and, you know, um, and I'm not afraid to say this. And if he was in front of me, I would say it to him again, Mel Kuyper, 
was wrong. You know, yeah. Yeah. we we used to joke around about oh, it. Yeah. Mel's like, yeah, well, Neil O'Donnell's going to be a free agent. What? We're like what? We're like what yeah. football are you watching? You know, yeah. you're too worried about putting spray in your hair than watching. And he's in Maryland of all places, so that should yeah. be like natural progression for. Uh, and for all the fans out there, you know, Mel Kiper back then. I'm not going to say now was Mr. NFL guru, draft guru, whatever you want to call him. And he had the nerve to tell my boy that he was going to be a free agent. We were all laughing like, yeah, right. Well, so, remember, it was supposed to go, I was supposed to go to the Seahawks the second round. That's what Lee Steinberg, my agent, was telling me. And that's when Jeff George and Andre Ware came out as juniors and didn't actually have to say it. And then what happened there was uh, the second round comes off the air because, remember, they only had the first two rounds on TV, and then it went off. And yeah. thank God I went quickly in the third round. And who called me and worked me out for the Steelers was, uh, you know, George Stewart. Yep. Stu. And, and, yeah. I, and I see Stewie. And you know what? Let's tell a story about it. It's so <laughs> funny. We're, we're at, I was at the uh, Combine. So I'm sitting there with Marvin Lewis, with George Stewart. And I forget who else was there. And they tell the story about how I was spending so much time with you over there. Like, they were like, well, Big Daddy, what position do you play? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still, he worked me out yep. for a long snapper because I oh, yeah. you guys lost, you didn't have one. So, yeah. still, he goes, the whole time, he goes, I thought, you know, Big Daddy, you were on the team. That's why I wanted to see oh, yeah. long snap. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, I was Neil's valet. You know, I kind of just went in and did whatever and, and, uh, no, you a lot more than that. You oh, I know, but you know, I'm saying it was funny yeah. because sometimes I would drive you to practice because I didn't have a car or whatever. Yeah. And uh, but that was such a, a learning experience. And and I think if we told a lot of the stories, the fans would be like, "Wow, you yeah," know? because it was like, you know, I tell people, I you know, we met Alex Van Pelt, who was the young. Uh, you know, at the time was the guy at the University of Pittsburgh, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and we formed a friendship with him. And then, obviously, the hockey thing, where we then all of a sudden we're friends with Tom Rich and Steve Rich, and you know it's endless. And and I have to say, I've been asked to write a book, so someone's sure. writing a book on me. And you know what? That'll be a big piece of the book because yeah. it tells all, it explains you know the relationships and. And a lot of my growth, um, professionally, both personally. And you know, we all, we both love Pittsburgh. I had no intentions of leaving the Steelers at the time. Uh, Mr. Rooney was actually sick, so he wasn't really negotiating deals then. It was another gentleman dealing, so it kind of got sideways. And you know, I went from the at the time the second best team in the NFL to the worst team around and they still haven't figured it out yet as the New York Jets. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, which was a huge eye opener. And the funniest thing was I saw you more where you were everywhere else than when you were in New York. Yes, correct. You know? yep. I'm like, yep. I found myself in Cincinnati, I'm in yep. Nashville. Yeah. And obviously I was in Pittsburgh with you for three years. So I was like, wow, he's five minutes away from me and I barely I think I saw you like twice in two years. But Daddy, you know, that was the hardest time because we didn't have a stadium. We trained at Hofstra. Yeah. And we drove to the Meadowlands 
every it time. Game. It was an away home. game every year. Every week. Remember the traffic? Remember yeah. the traffic would be brutal. It'd be two hours. It was so hard to even play a game there. So it's too bad that that they didn't do something out in Long Island because people from New York and New Jersey still remember MetLife is still as a giant stadium. Yeah. So yeah. it's still and, uh, it's still and very the, hard. And all the old Jet fans. They were used to Shea Stadium, you know, sure. when we growing up. That was their, yep. you know, that was their field. But uh, Jets know, and Mets and Giants and Yankees usually. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So the, the one thing that I would say, um, say something, give something to the fans, meaning uh, the viewers and the listeners. Uh, give a story that really uh, means a lot to you from your 14 years of playing football. You know, say something that, or let them know something that's probably not out there that maybe I don't even know. Oh man, there's, there's so many ups and downs of playing so many years uh, in the NFL. I do remember probably one of the best moments ever was, uh, you know, playing and beating uh, uh, the AFC championship game of the Colts when we went out there and uh, went to our first Super Bowl. It was a, uh, it was such a frustrating uh long two years because I played one of my best games the year before in the AFC championship game threw for 354 yards. And all everyone remembered was the last pass to Barry Foster that was knocked down. And then the chargers ended up going to the Super Bowl and getting killed by the 49ers. Yeah. So I look back at, you know, when Bill Cower said, Hey, we knocked on the door this year. We're going to come back next year and knock down this door and go to the Super Bowl. When your body's that beat up and your mind's mentally that tired, you could never think that that's going to be true, that you don't go for a year from now because you know all the ways that ball bounced, good and bad, to get you to an AFC championship game. Fans don't realize how hard it really is to get to a Super Bowl and more or less get to an AFC or an NFC championship game. You may not be the better team all the time because it may go, you know, a, a, a a fumble or an interception or an offside or something like that, the other team gets a chance and, and goes in and wins a game that no one thought they would. So I think that AFC championship game, when I heard, hit Ernie Mills down the sideline to go ahead late in the game, I'll never forget being on Three River Stadium, the old Steelers Stadium. <laughs> I, was standing, I was standing on on the field at the end of the game and all the stands were going up and down, up and down. I think that was a real good sign saying we need a, re a new stadium here because this thing's ready to <laughs> fall down. But just to, just to, I look back on my career though, daddy, and look at all the coaches I played for, you know, I, I was drafted by hall of fame coach, Chuck Knoll, you know, Bill Cower, uh, Bill Parcells, as much as, uh, as much as you, can stand them when I played for him. I think you respect them when you leave the game. I had a long talk with Phil Sims about that. Phil and Bill uh, collided all the time. Yeah. And then I think you respect them when you leave the game because you remember the things he taught you. And then I came down here to Nashville, was more or less thinking I was done playing. And Jeff Fisher called me out of the blue and said, come on down to Nashville. I, I want you to uh, back up Steve McNair. And I said, where's Nashville? I'm from New Jersey. I wasn't going south. <laughs> I went down there one, one year and ended up playing another five years for Jeff Fisher, which was uh, a great run and a great way to end my career. So, you know, one of the fans that had uh, sent me a note and they wanted to ask you, 
So what did you think when Bill Cower asked you to come to Pittsburgh in 2004 when Tommy Maddox was hurt? Oh, I, I remember the call. So I was, I was kind of, I'm a little superstitious. I put my shoes on the same way when I played, my pads on the same way I do all that. Well, remember, and, not to cut you off, remember we used to have our joke. If we play bad in those shoes, out Got to go. Those shoes got to go. Throw them out. Give me a new pair, Deuce. Give me a new pair. Exactly. So everyone knows what number I wore. What number did I wear? 14. You know, if I could write a storyline and say I played in the NFL for 14 years with really knock on wood, no really major surgeries. I, I had surgeries before. I didn't want to take the chance of maybe going back one more year. Yeah. And Coach Cower was, uh, you know, he, he's, he and I are very close even now to this day. And he wanted me to come back and, and Tommy Maddox got hurt. And I just didn't want to take that chance and risk maybe getting this severe injury because you see it all the time. I mean, guys come out of retirement and they get hurt, and then they end up with the rest of their lives with a huge scar on their knee, and they're never the same their bodies ever again. So if it was like a year maybe before that, I would have considered it. But even I had an opportunity to even go to Minnesota uh, after 14 years in the NFL and play another two more years in Minnesota. And I just uh, I didn't want to take the chance. I kind of felt like my family gave enough time for dad to do what he had to do in the NFL. It was time for me to give my time back to my family and support them and go see them play games. So big Ben owes you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause that was his. Ben's doing fine right now. Yeah. yeah, I know, but I'm just saying he owes you for uh, giving up that opportunity and letting him play. Yeah. You know? But that, that would be the big joke I would say to him when I see him. But uh, so then, you know, football ends and then, okay, let everybody know what you decided to do after playing football, because I know, but we want the fans to know. Well, this is a thing that, you know, everyone thinks, Daddy, like to be a commentator or color analyst is the perfect job. So that's what I kind of got into after I finished playing. I said, let me try this out because I saw so many other quarterbacks do it and some would. Some liked it, some didn't, some were good at it, some didn't do as well as others. So I tried that for a few years, and I really was doing, I thought, like, you fly in Saturday, go to watch the walkthrough, and then fly back out private Sunday night, you know, so you're back <laughs> home by Monday. Unless you're the A team, that doesn't happen. You fly like every other individual. You get on that Southwest, that United flight, leave Thursday, and come back Monday. I was doing all the bad games because I was like the C or D team. So with CBS, so I was doing at the time when Seattle wasn't good. So I was traveling all the way across the country. I was doing a lot of Arizona games. So I did that for three years. And then I came to a point, I said, you know, if you really want to do this, you know, you have to commit yourself to more in the off season. And uh, I'd make these big call sheets. I'd have all my notes down and really be prepared because I love to watch tape. And CBS did a great job of sending you a FedEx with all the breakdown of all the games. So I'd watch all these. And guess what? You wouldn't use a quarter of it because you never know how the game's going to go. So you have all this stuff. This guy gets hurt. This guy comes in and plays. They don't share this with this guy. They don't, you know, uh, play this guy much. So it was kind of like hodgepodge. I did it for a little while. Then I left. And then I went down to a Super Bowl in Miami. And uh, they did this big raffle at the Doral. So... Uh, each each like uh, 
corporation or people at these black tire fairs would auction off who they wanted the quarterback to play with at the, the Blue Monster, the Doral Golf Tournament. So mm-hmm. I had a guy named John Gilman, who I really didn't know that well. He he picked me to play with his foursome. So I get to the second, third hole. We're playing golf. I'm sitting in John's cart. I said, so, John, so what do you do for a living? You know, and he said, I sell grass. I said, do you sell grass? I said, legally or illegally? He said, I, I, I he said, I invented field turf. And from then on, we just started talking. He said, have you ever played uh, the New England Patriots Stadium? We, you know, he gave me the whole history, his first field that went in Nebraska. So to speed up the whole what I'm doing now is I he had a bunch of Super Bowl tickets he was trying to get rid of. So I said, yeah, give them to me. I gave them to our guy, Mickey C. Sold the tickets, blah, blah, blah. Bought them back the money. He said, man, I like the way you work. I like how fast you get things done. I said, oh, I appreciate it, John. And he goes, I would love for you to come work for me. I said, oh, I don't know if I want to sell turf, John. I said, you know, I'm, I'm still working with CBS. You know, let me see how that goes. He was a big emailer. So he always kept in contact with me. He sent me emails at 4 o'clock in the morning. And uh, he really wanted me to come on and start selling turf. So I said, John, I'll try it for a year, see if I like it. So I came on board, and I've been selling field turf now for, well, 14 years. <clears throat> 14 15 years and uh i don't cold call i get leads so any guy i played with or you know coaches calls me and says uh can you come up here and give me a price on a field and uh i love my job i really do well i remember remember i got trying <coughs> to get you my uh my hometown uh the, the school district's account and uh, that had like five schools but then uh <laughs> we won't name any names, but the other person who was the local rep, I happen to also know, and I get a phone call. Dude, what are you doing? I thought, uh, you know, I've known you since you were in seventh grade. And I'm like, hey, you know what? It's my brother, man. I got yeah. to try, try to get him in, you know? Sorry. What do you want yeah. me to do? You know, but, uh, you know, it's been uh, – I'll tell you, it's, it seems like yesterday we were in college park and, um, and, you know, we've seen so many people, unfortunately come and go, um, and, uh, you know, both, uh, business wise and personally, it's, uh, now we're going through these hard times and, uh, you know, we're all just trying to survive and, and be healthy and, you know, doing this show is a lot of fun for me. And, you know, I get to reconnect with you and so many people. And, and it's funny, the turnout when I ask people to do it. I mean, what? I just asked you two days ago. And yeah. Boy, you know, yeah. here you are. And and a lot of guys have been that way. And now I'm starting to get a, hey, dude, what are you going to have me on? Come on, daddy-o. You know, you forgot where you came from? I'm like, oh, man. That's like the last thing I've done. You have a pretty strong Rolodex. You know you do. Yeah. No, I do. And, yep. you know, I, I sometimes may not use it accordingly. But for this, I am because I understand names or what draw. And people want to know what Neil O'Donnell's doing now. What are Brian Baldinger's doing now? Even though you see him on TV all the time. But those are the things that excite people. And I think... Um, I think I have this thing down, but you know what? It's like everything else. You got to keep working at it. Sure. And 
I am. And, you know, even uh, today I spoke with a speech coach, you know, yep. just, uh, that I, uh, that I was able to work with, you know, because of Fox and friends doing that. And I'm working back with him. And, you know, I have Brian Kilmeade, who's a Saturday morning. I mean, who's the weekday host, one of yep. the hosts who's kind of, I always call him my TV mentor, you know, because he kind of, he's a guy that I would work with and he's the, he's the tee up guy. You know, Tell Hannity I still haven't got my book yet either. Yeah, I know. I will. Uh, <laughs> will <laughs> you and uh, about two other people are. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've got a. I've got a. I haven't seen him. You know, unfortunately, when uh, when I got the coronavirus, everyone found out I had it because him and Tucker Carlson told the whole world. But yep. you know what? They were. You know, they were wishing me well, so yep. I'm not going to complain about that. And. Uh, and then the one thing I will share with the fans, um, I've had the great fortune of being, like like you said, almost like being a brother because I've known your family for so many years and, and we've done incredible things and so much fun and ups and downs and, and we've laughed, we've cried, we've done everything and you got a beautiful family and Leslie, your wife, I love to death. She's like the, she used to say to me, I'm going to be the sister that you never wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. well, just stick to the cooking because you're the best cook. In the world. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I love her to death too. And, uh, make sure you tell her I send my love. I and, definitely then, love. Uh, and then lastly, I ask each guest to, uh, at the end to ask me a question. Now, let me give the mic to you and you be the host and I'll be the guest. I'm just, I'm concerned, daddy, like you're around all these, like you're more involved in the player today than I am. Like you still, you still talk to these guys. I know this world right now doesn't let you go to the locker rooms, yeah. but you have access to the locker rooms to talk to the guys, see how they're doing. Is the team camaraderie still there in the locker room? Like when we were with the Steelers or you, you, you remember, like we used to spend a lot of time in that locker room, yeah. the players. I think now with, with everything with these phones and the, and the, and the instant uh, Twitter accounts and all that and the Facebook and all that, I just think that the locker room's not so close as it was when, when we played and when you Played even in Maryland. I mean, we didn't care where you came from, who you were. We were such a close knit group. Close knit group that every Saturday or Sunday we went to war together to try to win a game. And people don't realize that, you know, and it's the closest thing to go into war football because you try to hurt each other. Let's be honest. If you knock out the starting quarterback, you have a better chance to win. Yeah. So I look at these young kids now making all this money. Is the locker room still the way – I know it's changed, but are they still as close as it was when we were all together? You know, I, I think it's changed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like you said, excuse me, back in the day we would hang out after practice and, and even in Pittsburgh, you know, I mean, we would joke around and, you know, I'd run in the equipment room and give those guys a hard time and – and, Even after the games, we'd hang out in the parking lot for hours. Yeah, yep. I mean, 
those uh, tailgates in Nashville were, I mean, yep. I couldn't thank Leslie enough. <laughs> Even though I wasn't a big drinker, I always had to have one of her Bloody Marys because yep. that was the bomb, you know, to do that. And and I always tell everybody, I remember me and Newsom at your uh, Bills game yep. when we were on the we were on the uh, the visiting sideline, and I'm calling Delta to change our flights because I'm like, I'm not going back to Neil's house after this. You know, they, they, yeah. they lost and blah blah blah. All of a sudden, uh, Dyson runs. <laughs> Music City Miracle. Yeah. Runs right past yeah. me with the uh, with the ball in his hand. And all of a sudden I'm like, I hang up on Delta and I'm like, I guess we're hanging out in Nashville tonight, Mike. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but those were those times I don't think you see that as often now. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. this year I haven't been able to go to anything. I mean, the last thing I went to team affiliated was the uh, combine in Indy. Yeah. Now you don't even now there's no Pro Bowl. The Super Bowl, you know, if my brother Jimmy and the Bills get in, I will be there. That yeah. I know because you can't miss that. But right now I don't have any plans to be there uh this year. And then we don't know what the combine's even gonna hold. You know, but that that's the thing that I miss so much was the locker room. Like people ask me, Do you miss you miss opening day? And I miss the locker room. We used to play the stupidest games in there and, and mess with each other's wallets, their keys, their cars. That was part of the whole fun. I don't know if the kids still do all that, those games like we used to do. Even like go after the coaches somewhat. I just think right now it's such a business-minded attitude. And, uh, hey, God bless them. They're making all this money because yeah. there's a lot of older guys who paved the way for me. And I guess I paved the way for the next generation yeah. and it's going to continue on. But I don't see like as many guys having as much fun as we did when we were playing football. I just think like uh, they, 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 they practice and then they go home. Uh, I just miss that locker room. I miss the laughter, especially now. I mean, I see a few guys every now and then who I played with. But uh, when you're playing ball, like our days off are Sunday nights and Mondays, we'd always make an effort to get together, even go have lunch or go out and have some fun. So, you know, uh, I wasn't going to get into this, but we got to tell the funniest story that ever has ever, ever been a part of you and me. And let's see if you remember this. So you had played, and you're going to start laughing as soon as I mention this. <laughs> You guys played in Cleveland. <laughs> Dracula. <laughs> so uh, we end you you end up losing. Yeah. And uh, we end up going out all night with. Uh, but tell them how you got there. Oh, first and foremost. Uh, so for all our our listeners and viewers, Neil comes up with the idea, or I don't know if you came up with it or I came up with it, but anyway. I take a limousine by myself all the way to Cleveland. So 60 I miles. Yeah, I watch the game. You know, Cleveland wins last minute. Well, we take the limo back, and uh, Neil and I decide to go out with, uh, remember Don Cricky? Yeah. The old announcer. Yeah. And, uh, and we end up seeing uh, Clay Matthews. 
and we're sitting there, we're all, you know, we're drinking, having some laughs and whatnot. Well, we were in the flats there in Cleveland. We were at Howl at the Moon. That was the name of the place. I'll never forget it. So, okay, so all that happens. We end up getting limoed back. And Neil, and this is really the funnest, the, the, the most hilarious part of this whole thing. Neil is supposed to be on uh, a TV show the next morning. <laughs> well, Neil was not going to make it to that TV show the next morning because <laughs> we didn't get on until, I think, 4 in the morning. And yeah. I believe that show was on at 8 or 9. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I walk in, um, I turn on the TV just to see what they're going to say. So Neil's in his room sleeping, and I'm watching in the living room, the TV. And the hosts are saying, well, we're excited that Neil, you know, they had a tough loss, but Neil O'Donnell is going to be here with us. And that was like at 810. Uh, 8.30 comes and goes, well, we're waiting on Neil O'Donnell to be here. And, uh, and Neil, you still have time if you can get here. And, uh, and then finally, like, I, I think about 10 of 9, I walk into Neil's room and I said, hey, Neil, turn the TV on. <laughs> we're sitting there, both of us watching, going, the host is like, well, we have five minutes left. And Neil, you can still bang out the last five minutes if you can get here. Well, obviously, Neil was sitting right next to me, and we didn't make it. I need my eight hours of sleep. I was hurting. <laughs> I think that was probably one of the funnest times that I ever had with you and uh, a great memorable moment that I'll never forget. And uh, Daddy, I've been in so many things with you. I mean, snowstorms, car accidents. Oh, (laughs) you know what? We don't have enough time to get into all these stories, but you're right. We could go for probably about three hours and, uh, and and just talk about so many things and all the fun we've had. Fans don't know, Daddy. You're actually a pretty good cook, too. You do. You cook well. And people don't realize that, you know? <laughs> well, I remember those meals that we used to have when, you know, here to the fans that are listening and the viewers, you know, here's two northern New York, New Jersey guys that all of a sudden we're in Pittsburgh and we're like, man, where are we getting food at? And that was yeah. like uh, – Spaghetti, what was that? Uh, spaghetti factory, yeah. Uh, and we're like Luciano's, yeah. We're like, where do we get white pizza? And all of a sudden, we get the and uh, uh, finally, we're like, you know what, we got to start cooking. So, yep. I never forget cooking, giant right, eagle. that's right, giant eagle, load up. And then Leslie came in the picture and took me out of the picture. Uh, on, on the week, on the weekends during the week, we locked it down. But uh, listen, those were the greatest times of my life, and I can never say thank you and be and I'm grateful and appreciative for all of that. And Neil, let me say thank you for coming on. It's uh, the storytelling and and sharing uh, some of the things that we've been able to do together with, and letting the fans know that uh, you know. We're just two down-to-earth guys that are have been friends since 1985 or 6. Yep. 86. 80, yep. And uh, thanks for coming on, Big Daddy and Friends. And you look great, Daddy. Keep working. You're yeah, looking man, good, man. I'm, uh, I'm down uh, almost 60 pounds. 
Keep it going, man. That's Keep so it going. Awesome. Oh, I am, because I know you've always got an army about my weight. So now, as you can see, I'm really taking it to heart. If you don't have your health, you have nothing. You know that. No, I know that. So, so. to everyone out there, make sure that you follow us, uh, Big Daddy and Friends, and uh, you get to see great interviews like the one we just did with my best friend and brother, Neil O'Donnell. And uh, until next time, Neil, we'll do this again. Thanks for coming on Big Daddy and Friends, and uh, we'll see you soon, my man. I love you. <laughs>